Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 42nd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Oh, I'm just magnificent. How are you, Cameron? I'm doing very well. Um, it feels so weird outside because it's like humid like summer, but still a little cool like spring is supposed to be. Uh, we had some pretty crazy weather here in Springfield lately. I'm sure other parts of Missouri saw. Well, yeah. I know a lot of parts of Missouri saw the same thing. but Pretty gnarly a uh, couple evenings ago. Yeah. But that's uh, typical April in Missouri for you. Yeah. Um, I figured today we'll talk about a little bit of basketball recruiting. There's a bunch of offers thrown out and is kind of the, the uh, sort of the grassroots and... Um, Various AAU tournaments, or not tournaments, but seasons are kind of getting underway. So a lot of uh, Missouri um, targets are going to be playing throughout the summer. Uh, kind of set the table for basketball recruiting, and then we can uh, wrap it up again like we did. One of, I think, our very first episode last year was kind of right after the Peach Jam. So we kind of got to talk about a lot of guys' um, AAU seasons and how they did and how their recruiting stood. So we'll kind of kick it off this week and then come back to it um, at the end of the summer. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the NFL draft because that was pretty big news for Missouri, even though some things didn't quite go how we expected maybe or how we hoped. Um, But first, uh, we'll do the recruiting bit. So um, Conzo Martin threw out finally some offers to some big men. Um, We'd kind of been waiting on that for a while because it was just Jeremiah Tillman and Reed Nico for the foreseeable future and with Tillman kind of testing the draft waters mm-hmm. you know some people have speculated that maybe whether it's the NBA draft or overseas or something that after this after his junior season he may be gone regardless just to start making that uh, professional paycheck which nobody could blame him for wanting to do that um, so maybe get away from these uh, college refs. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, <laughs> I know, obviously, we've documented his frustrations with them extensively here. But uh, some three 2020 guys, um, two of which are from St. Louis, so uh, he didn't have to go very far to extend these offers. Um, Davian Bradford, 610 uh, out of St. Louis, and Ryan Kalkbrenner, a seven footer, also out of St. Louis. So obviously still young guys, um, Ryan, I'm just going to call him, um, <laughs> Ryan K, Ryan K, a uh, super skinny guy, uh, which you typically see out of guys that are near seven foot, seven feet tall in high school. Um, I just watched a little bit of, you know, highlights on him on YouTube and, um, just kind of your typical really tall guy who blocks a lot of shots and dunks a lot in high school. Um, but you just like everybody says it's such a cliche but it's true you just can't teach that kind of size and length so you and guys that are in st louis and you know sort of sort of just starting to be recruited a little bit you kind of just have to throw your hat in there and just be like hey you know yeah we're here too yeah uh, if you've listened to this podcast at all um, when we've talked about basketball recruiting you may know how i feel about uh Conzo Martin secure maybe securing another big man because we're definitely it definitely seems like we're a little thin right now with with Tillman and Reed Nico like you like you said uh, and especially with the possibility of Tillman 
Tillman leaving early, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's definitely potentially very thin at any at any moment. Right. Uh, and and, we, and we with Tillman's that. foul trouble too. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I definitely felt like we needed maybe even a grad transfer big or or something. But we, we I felt like we really needed to get in on some of these big guys. So that's finally happening. Um, that's good for me. I I mean, we, we just didn't know what was going on. Maybe it's this uh, positionless basketball movement that we've talked about. Maybe they're going to kind of try to reduce their efforts on, on a traditional big man. Um, but it looks like they're definitely trying to get back in the in the game for some of these guys. And uh, Davian Bradford is a big man, if you will. Uh, I mean, 6'10", 240. He's yeah. just enormous. Yeah. So Talented guy, though, too. Um, He's not just big. Right. Um, another guy that been they threw out an offer to was John Hewley, six eight two twenty, out of Cleveland. So he's a four star guy according to most recruiting uh, services, and uh, not quite as tall as the others, but um, still pretty athletic. He had just uh, apparently he's lost he lost quite a few uh, pounds because he used to be near three hundred pounds and um, slimmed wow. down a bit to two twenty. And he's still a big guy, especially for high school basketball or even for college basketball. I mean, 6'8", 220 is really good size. Mm-hmm. And um, he definitely showed on his highlight videos. He was kind of just doing whatever he wanted down low. Mm-hmm. Nobody could stop him. And then a uh, really intriguing prospect is a 2021 guy named Chet Holmgren. Uh, he's six foot, 200 pounds. So Seven foot. Or is he seven? Oh, sorry, sorry. No, he's seven foot. <laughs> Small difference. (laughs) Yeah. Seven foot, 200 pounds. Uh, He's from Minneapolis. And they also offered uh, two other of his um, AAU teammates um, in Minneapolis. So, but this guy, Chet, he uh, is really fascinating to watch because I watched just a short tape of him and he was draining step back threes and like had some dribble moves and stuff and then also swatting shots left and right so you're saying he's a versatile seven foot player so there's going to be uh, a few yeah, other suitors involved i'm definitely. sure before yeah. this thing's and all said for him done. to be a the class of 2021 obviously there's a really long ways to go yeah uh, in his recruitment but yeah he definitely i mean if you look at him versus these other big men he just from the short tape i watch obvi- now this may be a whole season's worth of um, games and they just picked a few shining moments but if he has the confidence to pull off some of the moves that he was doing in that one video I mean obviously the ability is there because he was finishing finishing the moves and finishing the drives and the step backs and all that stuff mm-hmm. so that was really strange but really impressive yeah so definitely a long way to go with some of these guys uh, but it's it's uh, it's just that thing where when it comes time for these guys to really get serious about uh, where they're going to go and what what decision they want to make, uh, Mizzou can say, "Hey, we've we've believed in you, you know, since you were a junior in high school or whatever right. it is, and um, you know, we still believe in you." That kind of thing. So it's good that Mizzou's getting in on these guys early um, and letting them know that they've got a, a scholarship available um, at Mizzou. Right, and so um, along with uh, Holmgren, a uh, five-star guard named Jalen Suggs, and the first 2022 offer of the season uh, for Missouri goes to another one of their teammates in Minneapolis. Um, Prince Aligbe, I, pr- I believe is how you'd pronounce his name. He's a 6'6 wing player. Um, so they're all uh, playing on the same team right now. So 
it looks like Conzo just kind of stopped into Minneapolis and just threw some offers around. And who's good in Minneapolis? And then he started offering all of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if three of them are on the same team, even better. Yeah. Um, and last one I have as far as new offers was uh, twenty another twenty twenty one point guard uh, named Kennedy Chandler. He's from Memphis, so um, if he's any good at all, just forget about it. He'll be playing for Penny Hardaway. Um, but he is leading. He's the point guard for Mocan Elite right now. So if you watch them at all, you'll see him handling the ball quite a bit. Um, I like I said. Since he's from Memphis, I mean, Penny Hardaway has just basically locked down the Memphis area since he's become the head coach. So far, yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have much hope unless, I mean, for the number one player in the state of Tennessee to be from Memphis in his class, it's just hard to imagine getting him out of that state, getting him out of the city, let alone out of the state of Tennessee. And then we have the big names. Um, Conzo Martin was uh, visiting, I believe today he, com- or maybe yesterday, completed a visit to Cam Fletcher and Caleb Love um, in St. Louis. So that's the good news. Obviously, we're still squarely in the mix for those two guys. Uh, the bad news is last week, Duke, you may have heard of them, and a guy named Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, was also in St. Louis. And Ryan K. By. Yeah. <laughs> Um, stopped by to take a look at those two guys, which of course makes any Mizzou fan sort of panic uh, that we're immediately going to lose these guys. But yeah, certainly you need to have backup plans for these guys. I mean, huge names, uh, in-state guys, but we know uh, the track record for Missouri basketball in St. Louis is not great at all. Uh, so I, I fully expect um, the the strong possibility these guys are going somewhere else that I mean that just you got to be realistic so uh it, it'll be interesting to see uh who Mizzou kind of keys in for for plan b because I just think they they really need to be really need to be doing that and maybe that's what they're doing to some of these guys we talked about earlier um I don't know but it's great to see Kanto uh you still going neck neck and neck with with some of the big boys for mm-hmm. for these guys because I mean they're program changers so right we, and we gotta we gotta land a couple of these kids for sure yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily time to panic. I think Missouri is going to be right in the thick of things with these guys for a really long time. I've said that since that episode I was talking the very first episode of this podcast. And I also, uh, one thing though that's interesting to me is I see in tweets and headlines all over the place, both of these guys being referred to as five-star players, uh, five-star junior Caleb Love, five-star junior Cam Fletcher. And I'm just like, what recruiting services are these people looking at? Because there's literally none. I mean, I haven't checked today, but I have never on any recruiting service seen either one of them listed as a five-star. Um, that's not not to take away anything from them. Um, I still think they're fantastic players, and I, it might actually be better for Missouri in the long run if they never get that fifth star. Um, because whether you're the top four star or the last five star honestly there's not a whole lot of difference there in how you're going to compete or produce at the college level um and i said in that very first episode that i think at least at least caleb love and probably both of them could end up being five star guys and part of that is who's recruiting you so when duke and michigan state are involved that fifth star is probably going to come along shortly but i don't know i just thought it was kind of funny that I've seen those it just tweets. Makes as well. it 
like it's a little bit bigger deal, even though a, a four star, you still have to know who the player is. I mean, I feel like they're just doing that to get more clicks, obviously, because people are more interested in five star. That's the best you can be is five star. Yeah, but. that's very possible. Or they just know that Duke was in to see them both. So maybe they just assume they're five stars. So <laughs> that's I don't know. possible. But I think Caleb, Lo- right? Well, right now, Cam Fletcher is actually ranked higher than Caleb Love in some of the right. recruiting services I've seen. Not by much, maybe, you know, 10 or 12 spots. Mm-hmm. But I think when it's all said and done, I think Caleb Love has maybe the best shot to uh to to have the best college career i mean cameron fletcher has so much potential uh right now i think caleb loves a better player but you never know uh what could happen by the time these guys are 20 you know 21 years old yeah well they might be in the nba by that time exactly um, uh it'll be really interesting to see what uh cam fletcher is able to do next season his senior year at vashon um but he'll probably be committed before that season even starts i mean that's the way it's been going uh, for a lot of these big-time recruits is they like to uh, have their decision made at the end of the summer or uh, the fall at the latest and just have that over with by the time their senior year starts. Mm-hmm. So I think we we will really see a lot out of Cam Fletcher after he presumably makes a commitment uh, because seeing him play without Mario McKinney as like kind of the lead guy in Vachon will be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you um, your opinion. Um, and the other, the other big name that Missouri is is involved with is obviously Josh Christopher uh, for, I get for 2019. Is this 19? 20. 20. Okay. Uh, okay. So I want you to tell me of those three guys: Cam Fletcher, Caleb Love, and uh, Josh Christopher. Who do you think Missouri has the best chance to land? And then I want you to tell me if you could pick one of those guys to land, which one would you prefer to have of the three? Well, I think best chance is probably the easier question because I think Cam Fletcher is the one that has the that Missouri has the best chance with. Um, I don't have the sources that the the big recruiting you know services have. Like twenty four seven Sports is kind of my go to for, uh, and obviously I just follow a bunch of people on Twitter that are breaking news on this kind of thing, but. Uh, the 24-7 sports crystal ball has had uh, Mizzou as the favorite. They were 100% to land him for a while. Now it's down to like 70% with Michigan State getting that other 30. And that can, that changes, obviously. They don't know everything, but um, he's the only one of the three that even has a crystal ball prediction. So I feel like that's the best shot. And add the fact that, you know, teammate Mario McKinney is going to be in Columbia and just the fact that Conzo's had this relationship for so long now like we've talked about in the past how maybe it would have been really nice to see what Conzo could have done with some of the top guys out of uh, Missouri you know three or four years before he came to Columbia and I think we're starting to see that now I mean this is what it would have been if we would have seen all of these top guys, we would have seen Missouri in the mix right at, right up until the end, you know, top fives, top threes. And um, when you just have that long of a time to make a relationship, and Fletcher's been on campus so many times, unofficial visits, you know, just coming to watch games just as a fan. And I think his relationship with Mario McKinney is really solid. So, and he's friends with Xavier Pinson, who's already on the team as well. So I think all of those things lead me to think that he's the best shot at ending up 
a tiger. If I had to choose, I would probably say I would most want to have Josh Christopher because I think he just has that instant impact scoring potential that you just don't see every day. I think, uh, especially with how Mizzou has recruited so far, they're going to have some solid point guard play, it looks like, for the foreseeable future. So Caleb Love wouldn't be as big of an upgrade at the point guard position as I think a guy like Josh Christopher would be at the shooting guard, small forward type position. Just somebody that can just make their own shot, get to the rim whenever they want, stuff like that. Just just so hard to come by, I feel like, in college. where And Missouri's going to have decent bigs probably the next two years, decent point guard play, if not you know, top near the top of the SEC as far as guards go uh, for the next two years. So I think that wing player that can just take over a game in a sort of like a Keldon Johnson this past year for Kentucky, Missouri has a player like that, and that just completely changes, you know, what they're capable of as a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you agree on both of those things? I actually had different answers for both, but oh, okay. I'm 100% not going to sure. be upset about your answers what, what, whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can totally see Cam uh, coming to Mizzou, definitely. I think I was actually going to say Missouri has the best shot of landing Josh Christopher. I actually think... Uh, We've maybe not we've cooled on him, but I, I think the possibility of that happening maybe has cooled a little bit in the last couple months. Um, but I still think it's it's possible that that the family connection is is definitely strong. Um, and yeah, com- I mean, Missouri com- still comes up in every article that's written about him. You know, right. Every interview they mention Missouri. So definitely, and and I think Conzo's made a you know uh, a good relationship with him. They've they've had a relationship for a while now. Uh, he's been to Missouri a couple times now, so. Uh, I think that's definitely a possibility, and and I just don't really. I'm going to be completely honest, and I've said this before probably, but I just don't really see Cam or Caleb coming to Mizzou. I just don't see it, and I could definitely be wrong. I hope I am. Especially, it'd be great if we could somehow land one or even both of them, but I just don't really see it. Um, I mean, recent history agrees with you as far as you know the top tier guys coming out of St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, Torrance Watson was going to go to Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, it's not like. I mean, obviously, Conzo was able to get him in the fold, but that was still a struggle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so it's it's complicated. Um, and if I were to pick one guy of the three that I would uh, want to land, probably I think I probably would pick Caleb Love. Um, I just like we've talked about before. I think he's just ultra talented super polished well-rounded can do everything you can ask him to do seeing him in person was so fun it was it was a great experience and i mean you make a good point though that missouri maybe doesn't need as much help in that department and but i I think that he could maybe play the two sure um so there may be a kind of a way around the the blockage at uh at point guard so but I, i mean that's a good point that i hadn't really thought about um, is that we might be okay at the position that he would probably excel at. So I'd be perfectly fine with getting uh, any combination yes. of any of the three of those guys, <laughs> right. but uh, they're, they're all super talented, exciting players. Yeah, um, definitely at the end of the um, like EYBL, Peach Jam, and stuff like that, we'll have to revisit this, and we'll probably have a little bit 
clearer picture. Obviously, the guys, the players will be interviewed several times during the summer. Um, different teams will start to take notice and make offers because, you know, a lot of these guys want to, like I said already, they want to make their decision usually before their senior year of high school ball. So um, we'll have to revisit this and we'll have a better, you know, a firm look at the uh, uh, scholarship situation for Missouri. So we can really try to pencil in, you know, exactly what the staff might be doing. Um, one thing that I did want to mention, unless you have anything else about recruiting specifically, um, I saw a report that said Jeremiah Tillman was not on the official list of early entries um, in the uh, NBA draft. Now this is players still have until mid to late May to actually change their mind and come back to school. Um, but it looks like it didn't even take that long for Tillman to decide that he got the feedback that he was looking for and is coming back to school because he's not on the official list. Yeah, I, at this point, I think I would be absolutely shocked if it was anything other than him coming back. Yeah, um, but we'll, like I said, we'll get a, a good look at the scholarship situation and uh, make some more predictions probably at the end of the summer. Um, I think there was uh, one more thing I wanted to uh, add about basketball recruiting related stuff before we move on. Um, Mizzou was involved with a couple of guys that are 2019 guys. Um, right. One of them was Myron Gardner, mm-hmm. and he committed to Georgetown, so it looks like that. Yep. That uh, is done. Uh, I'm not sure how much traction was really there to begin with, but he w- seemed like maybe he was like playing C or D right. <laughs> after some of these guys, these transfer guys that we didn't get. Uh, and the other one is Kobe Brown. Mm-hmm. And he is—he was originally committed to Texas A&M, and then was released from his NLI after uh, Billy Kennedy was fired. Um, looks like I—I I, I think Mizzou honestly was probably second place for Kobe Brown before he committed to A&M. Um, I'm not sure how interested we really are in him. I think we have expressed interest in him, but he—he's definitely got a pretty nice list of of teams coming after him uh, right now. So right. I'm not sure that will happen either. So Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of news about him lately. So, you know, it's probably going to be the, one of those things where just any day now, just there's a commitment made. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we talked about this yet on the podcast, but um, the fact that Nebraska hired uh, Fred Hoiberg has had some Mizzou fans talking about maybe the future of uh, Cornell Mann because he came from uh, Iowa State when Hoiberg was there and uh, helped install some of Hoiberg's offensive uh, principles and philosophies into uh, Mizzou for Conzo Martin. So um, I was reading an article, I think it was the Kansas City Star. Uh, Yeah, of course, it was uh, Alex Schiffer uh, with uh, the Kansas City Star. And he said he doesn't think, um, this is a direct quote from the article, he says, but from the people I've talked to, I'd be surprised if he leaves for Nebraska, talking about uh, Cornell Mann. So I know, obviously, when you see something like that, when you see Hoiberg get announced as the next coach at Nebraska, your mind automatically goes there. But Definitely um, yeah, reasonable concern, sure. Yeah. I think he filled his staff, didn't he? I think he completed his staff at Nebraska. That would be great. <laughs> I think he did, but I, I could be mistaken. But I think we're good with Cornell Mann, at Terrific. least for now. Um, I think that's all I have for basketball. Um, although I just uh, Googled Fred Hoiberg, and the first news thing that comes up is former Bulls coach Fred Hoiberg lists his mansion for 
$3.99 million. But not $4 million. No, not $4 million. Wow. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's why coaches leave for the NBA. Did you read that article that was written about the UCLA coaching search by any chance? No. It's an absolute mess. You should go read it. <laughs> okay. I, I honestly I don't remember who wrote it. I apologize for this. Uh, but um, it's pretty interesting. All the... All the uh, they went through probably like twelve candidates before they finally ending up with uh, Mick Cronin, which well, seems it was, like a questionable choice. Yeah, I mean, it was choice. pretty obvious that uh, things were not going according to plan mm-hmm. for them, or I mean, for the fans at least. Yeah. Like, well, one of them was Rick Barnes. I remember we talked right. about that yeah. a couple weeks ago. So that was just one of the many candidates that was very close to finalizing a deal. Um, last little news item I have is about the kickoff to the football season um you were just telling me it was announced that the kickoff time for the opening game at wyoming has been announced mm-hmm. yeah that game's gonna be uh i guess it's six thirty central time because the game's actually in laramie wyoming uh which is one of those other times and time zones it's gonna be <laughs> probably uh, probably mountain time. probably mountain time yeah, yeah so which is Pretty interesting uh, first game of the year for uh, SEC schools at Wyoming. If you'd have told me before uh, 30 minutes ago, if you'd asked me, hey, who does what's Missouri's first game of the season next year? I'd have been like, uh, at home against West Virginia? That's maybe? the second game. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, pretty sure. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is very strange. If I was uh, setting up a schedule in NCAA football 14 on my PS3, that's definitely not the choice that I would make. <laughs> Well, we ought to. They ought to look at hiring you. That's definitely true. You're I not going to settle for Wyoming. I could get them an A plus rated schedule, according to <laughs> EA Sports. All right, um, let's pivot a bit and talk about the NFL draft because we got to watch that together. I uh, went over to Kyle's house, and the curse is back on because, <laughs> <laughs> because we watched it together. And Drew Locke fell and fell and fell and fell right out of the first round. So we didn't. We watched the entire first round of the draft and did not see him get picked. Yeah, the draft went pretty much as poorly as possible for Mizzou with, without just something utterly insane happening. And I would say Drew Locke dropping out of the first round is pretty close to insane, yeah. actually. Um, I think everyone was surprised by Drew Locke dropping out of the first round. Um, including him and people from Mizzou, people in the NFL. I think no one expected that to happen. Except for maybe John Elway. <laughs> Apparently. Because, uh, I mean, I still am not sure how much I believe John Elway, but, I mean, so many reports coming out for months about you know him and having a real connection with Drew Locke and really liking him. Uh, and then, of course, you know, time came to make his pick at 10, and Drew Locke's there, and they trade out of it. And the Giants had just picked freaking... Daniel Jones. Okay, that was another thing I was going to get to. Another thing I was going to get to in a minute, but I I just don't I don't know how much I believed Elway about all this time, and I especially thought that he straight up was lying about about Locke whenever they uh, traded out of the the tenth spot. Then they moved down to what was it like Mm twenty, and they pick a tight end. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know. They still claim that Locke was their number one quarterback in the draft. That's possible, but it just this love affair that we had seen probably wasn't quite as uh, as strong as they had made it out to be. Yeah, there's no way that there's no way that your number one target in the draft quarterback. 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you're if you think you need to pick him at some point, you, there's no way you could feel secure. Uh, well, we'll just get him in the second round. Right. It's it's very clear that they didn't feel that strongly about him. Or, like you mentioned, somehow he knew something that we didn't, that he was dropping really quickly. And, mm. and uh, I don't know how that kind of stuff gets thrown around, but sometimes maybe people can be uh, cued into that kind of information. I don't know. But uh, definitely, and like you mentioned, Daniel Jones getting picked at six was a really, really bad for Locke. And because that was a guy that was supposed to go later than Locke. Right. So I don't, that, that really, really killed Locke's chances of getting drafted higher. And it seems like usually when it comes to quarterbacks at least it seems like usually nfl teams are kind of all on the same page as far as their uh hierarchy of quarterbacks in a given draft right i think this draft was kind of an anomaly in in the way that kyler murray gets drafted first overall but i bet there's probably more than half the teams in the league that did not have him as their top quarterback choice because he just kind of happened to fit maybe what arizona wants to do with their new coaching staff uh maybe might fit the kind of offense they want to run because he's coming from college, um, the, the coaches. So I, I don't know. It was just an interesting quarterback year, especially since so many quarterbacks went uh, last year to teams that needed a like a, a quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. So there weren't as many teams this year that needed a quarterback that can play right now. Right. So And then, of course, the Patrick Mahomes effect where, you know, he, he didn't – he's been so successful, but he didn't actually play his first year. Maybe people are – teams are, are feeling like that's kind of the new blueprint for success for the quarterbacks to let them sit a year so all of these things kind of went to an, an effect i think to drew lock dropping obviously there's questions about his accuracy probably as well but i feel like that's probably his his main detriment yeah speaking of uh arizona they had uh, josh rosen sitting there you know played last year and um they traded him to miami and i thought it was interesting there were uh, several of those like way too early mock drafts for next year and i saw several of them had miami taking uh tug of Iloa from alabama oh like number one overall and i just think <laughs> uh that would can suck you imagine for, that would suck for josh rosen if he you know i don't know what their starting quarterback situation will be this year um because i i can't remember if they already have oh uh, they have uh Fitzpatrick yes yeah so we'll see if there's a quarterback competition there or whatever but uh that'd be really funny I mean funny but also kind of sad for him that if they if the team he was on picked a quarterback number one overall two years in a row um I still I do think that Drew Locke is a good fit in Denver as much as I I kind of hate to say it obviously uh we've talked about how I'm not necessarily a Chiefs fan so I don't have a you know this hatred for the Broncos uh, embedded in me i am a panthers fan though so i'm still pretty salty about super bowl 50 um, <laughs> but i told uh producer cameron who's a uh, broncos fan that if they drafted drew lock i would finally forgive and forget what happened in super bowl 50 so obviously i'm gonna root for drew lock to succeed and it and with john elway coming out and saying you know he's going to compete for a backup job the starting job belongs to joe flacco I mean, I think that's kind of what you want to hear if you're rooting for Drew Locke to succeed because um, as a second-round pick, he's, they're not going to be you know begging for him to come in and start right away. And um, there's just not going to be as much pressure as a guy like Kyler Murray who's going to be expected to turn the whole program around. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I am a Chiefs fan. I don't like the Broncos at all. I'm certainly going to be still uh, rooting for Drew Locke to have a very successful career, though. Um, and, and I think you're right. It's it's a good situation for him, I think, to uh, maybe have a year or two, maybe to learn learn the playbook, learn the system, learn what it's like to be an NFL player. Uh, and and maybe uh, expectations aren't quite as high as they might be if he got drafted in the first round, like you said. And sometimes I really think the most popular guy on a football team is the backup quarterback because you're always you know once the the normal starter starts struggling, everybody's chanting for the for the backup, even though that's usually a right, not a, not a logical a thing. But yeah, yeah so. Uh, sometimes the uh, backup can be a, a popular guy, make some money, and uh, not have to play a whole lot. So yeah, uh, take the Chase Daniel route. Yeah, it'd probably um, be fun to see him play in the preseason, though. I'm sure he'll get uh, quite a bit of run in the preseason. Well, let me ask you this: If let's assume that Drew Lock um, just has the number two spot locked down, no pun intended. That's his job as the backup. How bad would it have to get in Denver like record wise or quarterback play wise for them to actually take a look at starting him. Do you think like if Flacco starts the season, if the Broncos start the season two and seven and Flacco's has the same number of interceptions as touchdowns. I mean, is that a move you could see conceivably happening? I'm going to say no. Um, I, d- I think they're going to ride th- this year with Flacco. Uh, I think they really like him, um, but that obviously that could change quickly if he doesn't perform very well when the season actually starts. But I do think that they are pretty high on him right now. Um, so I-, I think they're going to ride with him unless things are just absolutely atrocious in this first year. Uh, we might see Locke play a little bit, but for that for them to turn on him uh, as their primary, like, okay, you're the guy now, mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening this year. I definitely agree with you. Um, it would it'd be interesting, but for Drew Locke's sake and his, uh, f- hopefully for the longevity of his career, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully he can learn and be around a, a successful quarterback for a while before he gets thrown in there. Yeah, and I think uh, one, and maybe it ended up being a good thing for him at Mizzou, I don't really know, but he I think he had to play too early at Mizzou, and that, yeah. and that was just circumstantial that, I mean, he really didn't. They didn't have a choice. They had to play him with right. with the whole Matty Mock situation. So, I think he was thrown into the fire a little bit early, and sometimes that can be good. Sometimes it can be really bad. And I think it was not great for him. He clearly rebounded and was fine. But I would prefer that that doesn't happen again to him in the NFL. I hope that he is able to play when he's ready. Yeah. Um, my last thought on Drew Locke is I was really hoping he would go to the Giants. Obviously, they don't have Odell Beckham Jr. anymore, but. Um, I don't know. Something about going to the Giants just seemed kind of cool. Like if he now maybe that would have been too much pressure, and but they still have Eli Manning, and I don't think they're super eager to move away from him immediately. But when you draft a guy at number six, you know the fans kind of have an expectation that if the starter struggles, you got to be willing to put a guy in, out there. Um, but a combination of Drew Locke and um, I'm spacing on their running back's name, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, uh, that combination just would have been kind of fun and i don't know i i agree for him to be like the face of a franchise maybe you know him and saquon being the guys in new york city Mm -hmm. uh, that would just been really cool to see i think i think if i had to pick a place for him to go i think the giants would have been pretty high on my list as well for for you know reasons you mentioned it would have been it would have been cool to see him with some talented players definitely uh 
but and also just because I don't like the Broncos. Right. But. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> and I was gonna say the Broncos usually have a pretty talented team, so yeah. hopefully they'll be able to um, build teams around him. You know, for the next. 15 years after mm-hmm. Joe Flacco. And they usually have done. a good defense, so maybe right. he won't have to uh, do as much to be successful. I don't know. Right. So the only other player from uh, the Missouri Tigers to get drafted this year was Terry Beckner Jr. all the way in the seventh round. With pick number 215, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected TBJ. Yeah, I think that was pre- pretty expected uh, to see him go probably sixth or seventh round. Um, I think that's a good landing place for him. Uh, they've got some veteran guys that he can uh, hopefully learn from there a little bit. But um, if you would have told me that two Mizzou players got drafted, it would have been Drew Locke and Emmanuel Hall ten out of ten times. That's who I would have. That's who I would have thought were the two guys that got drafted. So I, I was absolutely shocked that Hall didn't get drafted. Um, I figured Terry Beckner probably would, but if like I said, if you just told me there was two guys, I I never would have guessed it was him wow. over Hall. Yeah, I feel like, I guess in my thoughts, I kind of just always assumed that the three of them would be. So I don't right. know if I could have picked one over the other between uh, Terry Beckner Jr. and Emmanuel Hall. But, um, I mean, I'm not thrilled to see any player I like go to the Buccaneers uh, just because they're a conference rival with the Panthers. But um, hopefully their offense is bad enough that it doesn't matter and the Panthers <laughs> will still beat them anyway. Um, I wouldn't mind Terry Beckner getting a sack against... Uh, off of Cam Newton or a tackle for loss against Christian McCaffrey or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, TBJ is one of my uh, one of my personal favorite Mizzou players of of the current team for sure, and uh, wish him the best for sure. And it's just always good for the Mizzou brand to, especially a defensive lineman, because that's something that they've been hanging their hat on in recent years is turning uh, defensive linemen into NFL players mm-hmm. uh, so seeing a guy get picked is pretty important there i think yeah it, i mean that's what was kind of unfortunate about this draft though it's just it's such an important uh recruiting tool and, and marketing piece for the university and for the football team to have uh to put guys in the nfl and we just it, it felt like this was a big a big year potentially for mizzou i mean we had five or six guys that could have potentially uh been drafted you could have it wouldn't have been surprising to see any one of those guys go and to uh, to see it happen the way it did, it's it's uh, it's frustrating. It's got to be disappointing for the program and for Barry Odom. And um, I don't know. I, hopefully they can capitalize on it next year. I, I, I saw a, um, a mock draft, an early mock draft for next year. And Mizzou had two guys in the first round. And um, one of them was obviously Albert O. Mm-hmm. And the other one surprised me a little bit. It was Demarcus Acey. Yeah, I've seen his name tossed around as a too early in the too early drafts. Yeah, so to uh, see him in the first round, that uh, I mean, that was a very pleasant surprise. But uh, then you got uh, Jordan Elliott there as well. That right, I think Jordan Elliott could could go even higher than AC. So yeah, definitely a ton of returning talent, uh, a lot of opportunity for next year's draft. I think it'll probably be even better as a whole than this year's was. Easy to say, I guess, after this yeah. year went so disappointingly. But but I mean, they do have an opportunity to get guys on rosters um, because. You know, uh, the University of Missouri, especially the athletics department, has great uh, PR people and social media people, and they can spin things. So if you can just get a picture of a guy in an NFL jersey, um, then you can put that in a big montage image of all these guys, and that works. So um, we could see, we could end up seeing five, four, five, six guys uh, make a roster because we had a lot of guys get signed to. Uh, undrafted free agent contracts mm-hmm. and imagine the chip on emmanuel hall's shoulder i mean it's got to be massive just 
as a guy who is talented enough to go in the second or third round, go completely undrafted. Um, it's it's a reality check, and uh, I mean a lot of it was injuries, and I, you can't really blame the teams. I don't do wanting to take a, a chance on him. He had an incredible combine. Uh, when he was on the field, he was uh, like we've talked about, incredibly uh, efficient and mm-hmm. made a big difference when he was on the field, but wasn't always on the field. So uh, there's reasonable questions about his uh, maybe his toughness or his uh, durability. durability. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think that he, if he can stay healthy, he's a surefire guy to make the roster. So he's in Chicago. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we can see a uh, Chase Daniel to Emmanuel Hall connection maybe in the preseason. That'd be great. Um, Demaria Crockett and Walter Palmore were both signed by the Houston Texans. Um, those were probably two of the most fringe guys as far as um, considering them getting drafted. Uh, but it's good to see them get signed. I think I I always thought, I mean, after Crockett's freshman year, I thought this is a guy who looks like an NFL caliber running back. Um, maybe the size isn't quite there, but I mean, I've compared him to some of the other guys that um, are leading the NFL in, in touches uh, from the running back position. He's not, not really off of that prototypical um, running back size by much at all. Yeah, I definitely always thought Crockett was was a guy that was going to get NFL looks. I, I still think it would have uh, maybe been best if he spent another year at Mizzou, but who knows what would have happened if he did that. So I don't know if that would have improved his draft stock or not. So, But he's got a real shot to make the roster, and uh, I hope he definitely does. Um, just looking at him, you're like, my God, <laughs> like this guy, <laughs> exactly. who he looks like a linebacker, so, right. and he can run faster than, than all of the linebackers. I promise you that. So, right. Um, Definitely has a shot to make the roster. Uh, Kendall Blanton was a little bit of a surprise to me. There was a lot of pre-draft hype surrounding him. Um, I thought he might go in one of the very later rounds, uh, but he did get a contract with the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy that seems like, I, I mean, we, we kind of hyped him up a little bit. All these guys, we talked about how they had a decent chance of getting drafted, and now we're saying uh, they've got a decent chance of making a roster, so maybe we're um, we got our gold and black sunglasses on but um it seems like kendall bland has a good shot at making the rams roster yeah and he's a guy that we talked about a lot in the season as super talented super high ceiling he can do freakish things and all and just randomly physically, yeah he's physically gifted yeah he would just come out of the, out of the blue and just have these insane like one-handed catches and kind of get us get us out of a tough spot but um, just had issues with consistency. I think he didn't seem to be there all the time, and um, didn't have a whole lot of productivity to show off uh, when it came time right. for, for the draft. So stats wise, yeah, th- there just wasn't a lot there. Right, but I definitely did think he had a chance just based on on uh, potential alone um, that he could go. But definitely, uh, he's kind of raw and just didn't have a lot of produ- productivity in college. And then the last guy that I have that has signed anywhere was Trez Hall getting a contract with the Patriots. Yeah, I, I really like Therese Hall as a player. Like he, he was just so fun to watch and at, when he was at Mizzou and um, just super high-passion guy and high-energy. Really good and, leader, it seemed like, by all accounts. Yeah, um, a guy that you know I'm really going to miss out of all these guys we've talked about. Um, I didn't think he would get drafted, um, but he's, like we've talked about with everybody else, has, has a good shot to, uh, to make an impression in, in New England and um, best of luck to him as well as everybody else yeah for all of these guys it's going to be huge to for them to produce on special teams because 
um, in these situations, that's how that's how you kind of get a reputation with the coaches as being a hard worker and stuff is getting out there on special teams and making plays and just being sound and um, learning things like you're supposed to. So if they can do that, that's what that's what allowed um, Marcus Murphy to have a little bit of run in the NFL and different players over the past few years that didn't get drafted. So um, it'll be interesting to see those guys because uh, all of them will have a spot. I mean, they all could be contributors in the special teams. Um, it'd be really interesting to see if Emmanuel Hall were, would be a candidate to uh, return punts in, in Chicago, maybe. Yeah, I think he could excel at that for sure. It might be a little bit risky with his health yeah, stuff. Yeah, but... injury concerns. But if but it's not like they uh, would be out a lot of money if, they, if he did get injured. True. I did have one thing I wanted to ask you, and I saw, uh, I saw this... Uh, poll on Twitter. You may have already actually seen it, uh, but it was from uh, Chris. He's got the uh, the picture of uh, Cassius Robertson. Cassius Robertson. Yeah. It's his profile picture. So he asked a pretty interesting question uh, in a poll on Twitter, and he says, "Who will be drafted higher, Drew Locke with the forty second pick, or Jonte Porter in the upcoming NBA draft? Who's going to get picked higher?" What was it? Uh, Drew Locke. Drew Locke was picked forty second overall. I would say Jonte Porter. That I have not. I have not uh, seen that poll yet, so I okay. haven't. Uh, I also actually. picked Jonte. Uh, what are the people like, saying? Uh, it was it was dead even whenever I uh, voted, but it looks like Drew Locke took the slight lead. Fifty eight percent voted for Drew Locke. Oh wow! That, so. I. I mean, that's kind of an interesting question because like i feel like if jonte porter gets drafted it'll for sure be higher than 42nd 42nd that's what we're talking about 42nd yeah so that would be what like towards the end of the second round yeah, how, many, mid, how many how mid, many picks are even in the nba draft uh there's 30 so like 60 two. something mid mid uh second round yeah mid second round it's tough, man. I just There's have thirty NBA. Teams. I have no idea where Jonte is going to end up. I just, I have no idea. Yeah, maybe that's. I mean, maybe right around forty, if fortieth, you know, right around there might be pretty close to right on. Um, I, I still feel like he won't drop more than kind of what the projections were showing for him this time last year. Right, that's a good point. And that was just right outside the first round mm-hmm. or or very, Towards very the end late of it. first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Jonte will go probably in the mid-30s. Yeah, I mean, I could see a team taking him right at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but Some of those better teams that may not need him immediately. Right, exactly. Or maybe a team, you know, trading trading their first round pick and getting a a early second round pick taking them you know with that sort of thing yeah um part of that you know anybody that knows about nba draft nfl draft any of those you know you have minimum uh contracts that have to be awarded based on where you're drafted so a guy that's drafted in the second round you don't have to commit as much money to him um and that might be attractive to teams when they're looking at a guy like jonte who has had uh, who's going to take some time to come back and has had injuries in his past. Um, well, that's a nice little uh, jaunt. Uh, yes, thank you, little, Chris, little for the uh, the interesting question. 
it, it legitimately took me a minute. I kind of sat there and I was like, I actually have no yeah, idea. That's, a, no, that's an excellent question. Excellent poll question. Um, I think that's that's pretty much it. It's been it's been so long since we've uh, taken a week in between episodes. I mean, we did that a few times at the very beginning, but then uh, football season started and we were you know every week right for the whole football and basketball season. Yeah, there's, it's definitely a little bit of a slow period right now with just not a whole lot of basketball news. I mean, some of these offers going out were the most basketball news recruiting-wise we've had in, oh, yeah. like, months potentially. Right. So We could still see uh, we could still see a 2019 guy commit. You know, you know this staff has worked so stealthily um, over the last year, uh, two years where we don't – a lot of times a, a commitment will come out of nowhere. Offers come out of nowhere, but then a commitment will just show up like, you know, a, a late addition. So, um, you know, that could happen with a, a grad transfer or a regular transfer or just a 2019 guy re- literally any day. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we're, we've, we're in for the long haul on a lot of really big names. Yep. Yep. These guys are, uh, we've been talking about them for like a year and it's still going to be a long time before we really know much on some of them probably. Yeah. Uh, this time last year, we were talking about Mario McKinney and uh, EJ Liddell, and it, it it's just so crazy how we look forward to a player's commitment. Like it seemed like it took so long for EJ Liddell to make his decision, right? And now it feels like that was eons ago. I think that, that it, I think it felt like it took so long because it was so like. It sounds so dumb, but it was really like important to me. Oh, like yeah. I I really wanted EJ Liddell like really bad to be, to be a Missouri Tiger and I remember the day he was going to make his announcement I was pretty nervous even though I I think I knew he was going to go to Ohio State but I was like refreshing Twitter like every like right. five seconds and everything like it, it just felt like it dragged on forever because I was probably thinking about it like almost every day like oh my god I want it. I want this kid to go to Mizzou <laughs> you know so um yeah so. I mean I'll definitely feel that way about these guys you know the the big three yeah. in the 2020 class are just you know, we've been talking about them for so long. It'll be um, heartbreaking if they don't choose Missouri and just, you know, the best day ever if they do. Yeah. But we, I feel like it's been a while since we've had one of those, um, you just know. kind of su- pleasant surprises. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, wow. We where actually they, they actually put on the Mizzou hat, <laughs> yeah. you know, when they've got a few lined up there. And, and uh, basketball, definitely. Yeah. Seems like it's been a while. I think that's, that's about it. We're just under an hour, so. Cool. We were able to stretch those segments as long as you possibly can. <laughs> Milk it for everything it's worth. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are on Twitter, and you can find us at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you in two weeks.